Welcome to the Train Right Podcast, presented by CTS, a podcast about furthering human performance in endurance sports. I'm your host, Hillary Allen. Former pro cyclist, Olympian, coach, and visionary entrepreneur, Chris Carmichael, founded CTS 20 years ago as the first world-class online coaching solution built to deliver results to pro and amateur endurance athletes. Chris and his team of 50 plus certified coaches are completely driven by innovation and catalyzing new levels of success for the thousands of athletes that they coach daily. Whether you're a pro or a dedicated time-crunched amateur, you're about to learn exactly what's working best today and what's not to get faster, stronger, and achieve your goals from the most experienced team of coaches working in endurance today. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by Viome. Viome helps you take control of your health so you can improve your energy, inflammation, and immune system health. Viome's award-winning at-home test measure your cellular, mitochondrial, and microbiome health, giving you powerful insights with over 30 health scores. Then they help nourish you by providing precise whole food and supplement recommendations based on your unique biology at a molecular level. And finally, watch your health scores improve over time by subscribing to your precision supplements, following your food recommendations, and retesting. Viome has partnered with the Mayo Clinic, United Health Group, GSK, and others, and is used by Olympic gold medalists and elite professional athletes. Go to Viome.com and learn how you can get your unique insights for better health and wellness. Use the promo code TRAINRIGHT, all caps, at checkout to save $10 on your first purchase. Hi guys, and welcome to the Train Right Podcast. Today's guest, we're speaking with Adam St. Pierre. Adam is a coach with CTS also, and he is my coach. So a little bit about Adam. Adam started running on the middle school track team in New Hampshire. He didn't know how big of a part of life running would become. He just knew that His dad held the school record for the decathlon and that he wanted to break it. Uh, In high school, he took up cross-country skiing as a way to get in better shape for track season. And he went to Colby College in Maine, expecting to play soccer and run track, but he decided to go with cross-country skiing as his main sport. He raced collegiately for four years while getting his degree in physics and biochemistry, and then moved on to earn a master's degree in kinesiology and exercise science from the University of New Hampshire. While working towards his degree, he worked as an assistant coach for Budwin's college ski team. He immediately realized that he's a better coach than an athlete, and he's been a coach ever since. In 2006, he moved to Boulder and started coaching at the Boulder Nordic Junior Racing Team. And he worked as an exercise physiologist, a running biomechanist, and a coach at the Boulder Center for Sports Medicine. He left Boulder Center for Sports Medicine in 2014 to pursue coaching full-time, and he's been with CTS since 2017. In addition to his coaching, Adam has raced many races, from half marathon distance to 100 milers. And of course, he's fallen back in love with running again, and he doesn't just ski. But he loves spending long days on the trails and in the mountains and accessing places that he can't get by car or by bike. (laughs) He loves standing on mountaintops, traveling fast and light in the wilderness on his own two feet. And he now currently lives in Boulder with his wife and two young kids and two old dogs. 
I'm super excited to talk to Adam. I obviously talk with him on a daily basis since he's my coach. Um, but in this episode, I wanted to get to give you guys an insight into what it's like with a coach-athlete relationship and to give you maybe a little bit more insight about um, the training of an elite athlete and how we've learned from one another over the past couple of years that we've been working together. And um, yeah, we get into some banter, but I think there's a lot to learn from Adam and I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Okay, well, welcome to the Train Right Podcast, Adam. So happy to have you on here. Thanks for having me on, Hillary. It's an yeah. honor. Oh, I know. It's just another excuse to get to talk to you. I already talked to you so much. Um, if those of you who don't know, um, Adam St. Pierre is my coach. Um, he's also a coach at CTS. Um, wonderful human being. Um, yeah, Adam, when, how long have I known you? Oh, God. It's probably been, well, like five years. Like, we, I, I think, well, it was 2014 when I did my 24 hours of Sinitas. And I think we had met, you know, through like RMR group runs earlier that year. Okay. So actually I'm going to tell the perspective of my, of the story of how I first met you. And then you can, you can tell maybe your perspective. Um, oh no, I don't oh, want you to. Yeah. Tell me. I okay. remember. So the first time I met Adam St. Pierre, I was new to trail running. This was in 2014. This was like my first, my first season of trail running. I was running my first 50 mile race and I was in Bighorn, Wyoming, running the Bighorn 50. And I'm camping on the lawn outside of the rec center in Dayton. Um, so was Adam. And, you know, we're like, I'm with my then boyfriend at the time and we're like cooking dinner. And so then we're like, you know, talking to one another. Adam's probably like drinking a beer and, um, you know, he's like small talking. And then Adam's like, oh yeah. So, you know, what's your goal for, for the race? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I just want to have fun. Like my boyfriend says I could probably run about nine hours if I have a good race. And Adam looks at me like, you look at me like so matter of fact, and you're just like, you know, that's the course record, right? Like, you look at me like, you're an idiot. Like, what is she thinking? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. That's just what he said. Like, haha, like, okay, what's your goal? And then, like, you say, like, super matter of fact, you're like, I know I can run like this, this, and this. Like, you had your like splits all like written down, and like, <laughs> you had your wings on your ultra shoes. Um, I, yeah. don't, I don't recall this interaction, but it, it sounds likely. Yeah, exactly. And so I know. Um, but so then fast forward to the next day, the next morning, race, race morning. And, you know, I see, I see you with your, like, you know, your ultra shoes and your cool little wings coming off. I'm just like, this guy seems business. I was just like scared out of my mind because I didn't know what happened after mile, you know, 30. Um, I'd never run 50 miles before. And so you had this goal of running like sub eight, I think. Like you wanted, you wanted to win the men's race. Like you were trying to go for a sub eight time, um, sub eight hour time. Um, yeah. And you were like gung ho about this, but then on the race day, like, I remember like we descend into Dayton cause we start up high in the mountains and we go down to Dayton and it's like 105 degrees. Like my stomach starts going, I'm like bonking out of my mind, but somehow I managed to like not stop running, like finish the race. And I actually, I crossed the finish line first. Um, I run it in like eight hours and 52 minutes. I break the course record. And then I look in the finishing shoot and there you are. You were gaining on me. <laughs> and I was like, 
was like, and you were like, still like, look like you had just recently finished. I was just like, Adam, like what? <laughs> and I, in I, my I, mind, I was only like 30 seconds behind you, but maybe it was more. I think it was like three minutes. <laughs> still not, not a whole lot. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I blew up pretty hard with, with bilateral hamstring cramps and walked it in from 45. So I was gaining on you on that stinking five mile flat road. <laughs> I still think, had I saw you in the rear view, I could have run, but I didn't want to. <laughs> oh, but that was the beginning of our friendship. And then from then I joined you for this mountain in, in Boulder, Colorado. Sneed is repeats. Adam, you're obsessed with it. It's like yeah, it's a 1300 foot mountain. That's just like, yeah. It's a little climb. It's like a 40 minute round trip. I like yeah. to do laps of it. Yeah. You had the split sheet again. It was yep. great. But like, yeah, that was yeah, when we were, we were friends you know, kind of from that point and did yeah. some fun mountain runs. That was when I was just kind of starting coaching yep. and I kind of wanted to coach you, but I also wasn't in a, a financial position to offer free coaching at that time. <laughs> and I really, like I said, I had no idea what, um, you know, I, I really had no idea what I was capable of, but I also just like had no idea what trail running was. And that was so cool about our relationship that like we shared so many runs. I think at that time I was kind of in the process of moving to Boulder, but I would like drive up to Boulder three, four times a week. And we'd run at like five in the morning. First of all, it was wonderful because no one else wanted to run that early. And then we would just banter, um, about science. I mean, you have your background. Remind me exactly what your master's is in. My master's is in uh, kinesiology exercise science but my undergrad is in physics and biochemistry. Yeah. And I think we're just, we're both a little bit kind of science nerds. So yeah, yeah always enjoyed, enjoyed bantering. And I, I think <laughs> sometimes you like to be a little contrarian. So we have some, we have some spirit <laughs> debates. Oh, I never had an opinion in my life. I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> Adam. Um, no, I'm very opinionated and oftentimes it's not popular belief. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it, you know, you have opinions. I have opinions, but both of us are willing to change our opinions in the presence of, uh, of new information. Exactly. But I, I love this because, um, we actually didn't start working together until two years ago. Until you fell off that cliff. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. Ah. Yeah. That whole thing. Um, yeah, what was, was it 2017? 2017. Yep. Yeah, it was like, November 2017 and you were still on like your scooter and had casts all over and yeah uh, pretty pretty early in the rehab process when we like we met for coffee yep at Cafe uh, Soleil. yeah so um yeah that was the start of our, our our coaching relationship but our friendship kind of predates that yeah but I think that's why it was so special is because like I remember meeting with you and like I was so low at that point and like you know, still didn't really know if I could get back to running because I've never dealt with injuries like this big before. And how many was, people have go? <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess not many. But um, but I just remember sitting down at that coffee shop and like after talking with you, you just like reignited my belief again. I was like, yeah, I can do this. I have a team of people. I have people that care about me. Like, let's go. And then. You knew you knew my physical therapist over at Revo Sports um, Sports Performance, and I remember even like you would even like take me there some days, like early early yeah, on in recovery. Drive. Yeah, I know yeah, I, I mean, couldn't my, drive. <laughs> my like coaching and and 
physiology background. I've done a lot of running biomechanics work. I worked hand in hand with a lot of PTs. So um, I think I, I have sort of a niche for working with athletes uh, who are frequently injured or who are recovering from injury. I have a pretty good understanding of biomechanics and the rehab process. So I think, you know, at that time, you and I were, were a particularly good fit. Um, yeah. Now, granted, I don't think I had, I mean, I had worked with some other pretty serious injuries, but um, you may have been the, 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 the coup de grace. Oh, so glad that I have that crown. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm the like, athlete I've ever worked with. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but no, I remember that it was just like, I remember because you, you work with um, the, a Nordic ski team. And I know that you had typically, you'd, you'd brought them in to this Revo Sports and Performance Center. You'd like given them, you'd like test their lactate threshold. And um, you like, you know, use these kids for like, yeah, as your science experiments, I think. But it's so cool because like you're, you're involved in like that hands-on, like where the science meets the athlete. And whoever meets the road. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it was really useful. Um, I think we're we're lucky in Boulder too, to have just a a network of, of medical professionals, physical therapists, massage therapists, acupuncturists, chiropractors, coaches, Mm -hmm. um, athletes, you know, just it's a supportive environment um, where you can have a network, have a team. Um, So like, you know, I I talk to your physical therapist a couple of times a week. Uh, to make sure like, Hey, you know, what, what can we do with Hilly? You know, is she up to this yet? Um, and they ask the same thing, like how's, how's Hillary's you know, training? Going? So, um, and fortunately, I don't think, I don't think everyone has access to that kind of that level of, yeah. uh, of coordination in their, their rehab team. But, um, you know, as you're recovering from injury, I think, you know, making sure that you're communicating with your coaches, with your doctors, with your PTs about, your goals and stuff is, is huge. But even, even that, I think not necessarily that, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have that, to have that a team of experts, but I also think it was my own perspective of just like, I wanted to be active in my recovery and like do something every day that was like, that I felt that was bringing me closer to my goal of running again. And well, I think that's, that's a key thing. Like a lot of people, excuse me, you know, you get hurt and, and it's like a woe is me. Mm. Um, you go into a deep, dark place. And even though you, know, you had some, some dark moments, like oh, yeah. we showed a lot of tears. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, but like that motivated you to, to work. Um, and I think, you know, at, at one point, I forget what, what set you off, but we're, you were in a, a bit of a, a dark state. Um, and we're just talking about how, like, like how much work you were putting in. Um, and like, I mean, you were in the gym, twice a day for like three hours. Yeah. You know, riding a bike, whether you're doing your PT exercises, you know, doing recovery mobility, mm-hmm. um, you put in like recovery for you was a full-time job. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, that's a testament to you as an athlete as being kind of stubborn and, and hard headed and unwilling to give up. Uh, mm-hmm. But it also shows that like, you know, if you're willing to put in the time and put in the work and, um, and get through those dark moments, like you can return to, a pretty high level of activity and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told I've told you this before, but now I'll tell the the listening audience. Um, but like Hillary trains a higher volume than probably any other runner I've ever worked with um, in terms of of total hours. You know, she she'll put in you know eighty eighty to hundred miles a week, which is you know a pretty decent week given that she's running some high vert terrain. Um, but then Hillary also spends you know. 
three to five hours, you know, in the gym working on, on strength and, and correcting any imbalances, a um, couple hours a week on the bike, a couple hours a week on skis this time of year. So, um, Hillary does a lot. <laughs> works really hard. Yeah. And it's not, it's not always easy. Like it definitely obviously is a full-time job, but, um, and you know, like, I don't like, I don't actually think I discovered this part of, cause I definitely wasn't doing that. Um, before the injury. Um, and I think actually the injury just kind of forced me that, okay, like, you know, you can't, you can't always, you can't always run. And, um, like I was doing these like sky running series where like my season was really intense and it was like three months out of the year. And I'd race these like, you know, six races in like three months or something. And my training had always been like, you know, big adventure days, like a lot of time on feet, you know, like, you know, you cover maybe, you know, do these six to eight hour kind of run, hike, adventure things. Like I loved that. That was my bread and butter. So I always like, I knew that I had like super long endurance, but it wasn't until after the accident where I was kind of forced to like, look, you can't run. Like I wasn't running for a good, what, five months, six months. Yeah, probably. Cause we, yeah, we started, I think your, your first run must've been, must've been January or February. Cause I it brought Cornelia in yeah. the stroller and she cried. Yeah. And we did like a run walk. <clears throat> oh my God. Didn't I cry? I cried. You cried too. But Cordelia cried louder. Yeah. Cordelia was like stranger danger. I was like, ah. <laughs> like a year old. Not oh even. Not old. Um, yeah. I think, you know, for that you. That was my first run. Yeah. That was like a run. Like literally we were only running for like a like year. A yeah. A minute. And I remember how painful it was because I had this like ligament fracture mm-hmm. in my in my foot. And it was just like, it was like running on pins. Like I didn't, I couldn't feel my foot. I didn't know what to do. Like, I think I just burst into tears after the first 30 seconds. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember it well, but you know, at that point, you know, luckily we, we had the knowledge from the PT, like you know, Matt had told us, okay, you know, this, this, and this might hurt, but that's okay. They just mm-hmm. need to loosen it up. So we were able to, mm-hmm. to get through that. But I think, you know, the rehab process for you helped to kind of discover some other passions and, and ignite you know, some other endeavors. Like um, I'm sure people know that you've kind of taken to, to gravel biking now and have done some, some kind of ultra long events uh, yeah. on the gravel bike. Um, but even, like, well, even before that, because actually that wasn't even until my second injury, that was, like that was the backup injury. Yeah. So even before that, I was like, literally before I could run, I was skiing. I was doing like ski randonnée or like, you know, basically skin up the mountain. I like to call it ski area mountaineering because I am not going to repel off of any things. (laughs) No, no off piste descending for you. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, luckily kind of for you, the, the ski boots, it kind of worked well to have your foot in a nice rigid sole and it gave you an opportunity to get outside in the mountains and uh, in the winter and get that fresh air when otherwise you were stuck in the gym. Yeah. Um, and then like fast forward, I mean like then after I, you know, like we can talk about it too, but like, um, because there's some good tidbits in there of like returning to running again. But like when I broke my ankle this last year, almost a year ago, actually, um, I almost a year, like to the day. Yeah. I think it was like the 26th of January or something. That's creepy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, a a year ago I broke my ankle and um, literally I I had to be not weight bearing. I had to have surgery. 
Um, I hit a pretty low spot again, but then oh, it was the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Oh God, it's coming up. Yeah. Um, Lily's birthday. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, but then that's when I discovered gravel biking. Yeah, and like that was I. I really had to lean into another sport because like for me, movement is so important. Like I always say my favorite way to move and train is running and trail running, but there's also some other really cool ways to, to move and to train and get around. And I felt, I, I, felt, I chose gravel biking because you don't have to be on the road, but it's really cool. Cause in Colorado, we have tons and tons and tons of gravel roads and then I started linking up, you know, when I could run again, I started linking up like bike to run to bike home. And it's like the coolest thing. And then, yeah, I discovered these like ultra long, um, gravel bike rides, like dirty Kansas. It was a 200 mile gravel bike race in Kansas and it's technical, super technical. People were doing it on a mountain bike and it actually has, uh, there's some really steep sections on it too. You wouldn't think, but um, that was my first bike race. And like, I fell in love with this, with this other sport. Going from zero to 200 miles on the bike. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so yeah, but like, again, it was like something that I could like really work hard at and like actually learn that you can get pretty fit on a bike. And the coolest thing was, is that now like I can break up my year with when I want to do gravel races or even break up my week of like, okay, like when do I feel like I need a little bit of a break from running? I'm going to like you know, go on a bike adventure or, you know, go on a ski adventure in the winter time. It really helps me to like, to, yeah, to, to break it up mentally, but also I think like stay strong. Absolutely. I think, I mean, kind of like we've, we've talked about before, you know, for you, if running is the the cake, then biking and skiing and strength are like the, the icing on the cake. And then <laughs> oh, we, we were, we were talking earlier about, uh, we're just starting to start workouts in Hillary's training, you know, like hill repeats and, and fartlek stuff, trying to get a little faster running. And those are the, the cherries on top of the cake. Um, <laughs> But for me, the, the cake is the most important part. Yeah. And what, I mean, I think I'm a complicated, very many layered cake. It's <laughs> yeah, okay. I like layered cakes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I mean, I think actually this is what I've learned from you too, because when I first met you, you know, back in, in Dayton, Wyoming, I mean, I was such a noob, like I had no idea and you taught me what it was to be like super goal oriented and like make goals for yourself and have like a, a plan to be able to, to like attack them and to like be, to be able to achieve them. And something that I've learned from you too, is like, this is essential for having a coach is I don't come from a running background. So I didn't even know like about workouts of course I'm a I'm a coach too so like I know how to prescribe workouts and like what to do but it's different like when when it's me like as an athlete and it's easier if I have someone else saying like hey like we're preparing you for this race like let's do these workouts here yeah I mean I think that's a a good point too like yes I've been coaching for you know 10 plus years but but I also have a coach like I work with another CTS coach Corinne Malcolm uh, (laughs) who I also coach but I think sometimes, sometimes the coach, the coach often isn't the motivator. Like you don't need motivation. You don't need me to tell you to go out and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think my coaching, I don't necessarily work best with athletes that need someone to just tell them to go out and run. Um, like mm-hmm. the, my, my preferred coach athlete interaction is, is, you know, I 
you know, prescribe workouts, assuming, you know, the optimal, like if everything goes well, like these are the workouts you do. And if something comes up, then, then we can change things. Um, but it's more about, okay, you're going to run. Well, if, if we're talking about Hillary, you're going to run like two to five hours a day. Uh, <laughs> so my job is to steer that energy, um, and, and to put it into, into the right places. Um, whether that's, you know, running and biking or running and skiing or, or doing a hard workout. Um, so like my, you know, a coach, at least, you know, like the relationship we have is, is more about guiding and, and steering your energy mm-hmm. towards what I think are the right directions. Yeah. Um, and that's based on kind of your goals and, and, uh, what races and events you have on the, on the agenda. Yeah. Oh man. So I was actually talking, um, on my run this morning, um, with the friend for when he joined me for the first part, but, um, about this article that you wrote, um, because it always sticks with me. Um, and I'm always going to botch it up, but it was, uh, about the three different types of like limiting factors for an athlete. It's like time, energy, and structure, structure. So talk to me about that a little bit. That's fun. I don't know that, that article, it came to me on a run. Actually, I was like out running and thinking, um, but yeah, I think for most athletes, or maybe all athletes fit into some one of these three categories or maybe multiple. Um, but many athletes are, are structurally limited. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, often your newer runners or your runners returning from injury or, or something, you know, maybe you only have, you know, six hours of running in a week that you, you can do before your body breaks down mm-hmm. uh, over time with training like that, that can go up. Um, you know, whether, you do a good job of, of your return to run program, you know, maybe your, your structures adapt and you can then run, you know, seven hours a week, eight hours a week, 10 hours a week. That's often a long, slow process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like strength work and, and cycling, uh, what some people might call cross training, uh, but people from a Nordic skiing background just call training. <laughs> like those, those non-running activities can help to support the amount of running that you can do yeah. uh, in the long term. So there's your structurally limited athletes. Um, then there's your time limited athletes. This is most of your, you know, your adults, your working professionals, you know, people with kids, families, uh, whatnot, you know, they, they might have six hours a week to train mm-hmm. um, and getting seven hours a week is just not possible with, without causing undue stress in other areas. Um, and these are people like, okay, so if you have six hours to train and, and you want to be a runner, and you're structurally able to run six hours a week, then you probably should spend most of your time running. Yeah. Um, that's where like where specificity is, is key. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like if you have six hours a week to train and structurally you can only run four hours, well, that's where, you know, two hours of, of additional training, whether strength work or bike uh, or ski or, or whatever um, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the third type of, of athlete or limiter would be, would be energy limited. Um, and that's, oh, that's like you, that's the, the professional athlete or, or the athlete who has, um, you know, maybe the, the super flexible job where they can, you know, they can do whatever is needed, uh, to attain, you know, high performance or, or the best results. Um, and with these athletes, it's kind of, it's almost trickier, like a time limited athlete or a structurally limited athlete are, are simpler than the energy limited athlete. Um, because the energy limited athlete were like, Okay, we want to have the right balance of uh, of specificity. So, you know, for Hillary, we want to have enough running. Um, but then, you know, she probably has more time and more energy than she could just run. You know, 
Hillary typically trains anywhere from 20 to 30 hours a week. Um, I don't think many people can sustain 20 to 30 hours of running a week. Um, and, and I certainly couldn't at like the beginning. I think, and I do that, like maybe, maybe it's mostly running in the summertime, but I think, I mean, you tell me what is mostly my average run time per week? Well, like, I mean, there's been some weeks, like when you did, you know, a soft UTMB, soft TDS last year, soft uh, yeah. where you're, yeah, you're running 30 hours a week, yeah. uh, but those are, you know, those are essentially training camps. But your typical, I'm, I'm just pulling up some data here. <laughs> in, the last, in the last year, 43% of your training volume has been on the bike, um, yeah. just in terms of, of hours. Yeah. Um, now, that being said, much of that's, you know, just kind of easy spins, recovery spins, you know, endurance rides. Um, so you're putting in a large volume of running, but you're also supplementing with a large volume of, of cycling. Um, Skiing is a smaller volume. Strength is a smaller volume, but still pretty significant. Yeah. On the overall. Hmm. But I think it's really cool because this is actually something that we wanted to talk about. It was a, a question that that I posed to you because um, I think that, at least in my experience, and what I've learned about myself as an athlete the past two years is that this volume, it seems like it's it's a lot, and it is a lot, but my ability to perform well as a runner I think is improved because I do these other things. And it talks about like, like you mentioned with, um, you know, a a time, a time crunched athlete, like, okay, if they're training for a running race, they only have six hours a week. I would not suggest they spend 50% of that time on a bike, you know, like there is something to be said about running specificity, but yeah. Like what's your opinion about like a, a runner? Should they only run all the time, especially if they're an ultra runner? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like you said, I think specificity is important for, for the time limited athlete, but, uh, I think non-running activities can supplement running. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for like, for you, you know, you're typically running, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week, um, which is a lot. Um, and there are like many runners who are quite competitive on 10 to 15 hours of running a week. Mm-hmm. But you have the energy and the desire and the drive to do more, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to have those, those other activities. Could you run 20 to 25 hours a week? Probably. Maybe not as sustainably as we have, you know, uh, as, we've, as we've done by including these other activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for you also, just being outdoors and movement is, is, is important. Um, and, and knowing that there is a, a psychological aspect to, you know, athletes and coach athlete. And then you're kind of a mover. You know, if, if you were only running 15 hours a week, I think you'd go stir crazy. <laughs> it's, it's just not enough outside time for you um, yeah that's true we've definitely had those uh you know like <laughs> every now and again we'll touch base and like adam am i doing enough like what's going on <laughs> and then we have days where you say hey can i skip my day off tomorrow and go cross-country skiing oh wait did i just say that yeah that's what i asked you before this call what did i say you said, yeah, rest day for you is, you know, probably, you know, it's maybe an hour, hour and a half of, you know, low activity. And yeah, you told me to, you know, not run or, or bike, but you listen, I mean, I think part of it, that could be an off day. And for me, actually, I noticed like on those days where I'm feeling like running can be, especially on the trail, like it can beat you up, like, especially with all the injuries I've had, like I can notice if my foot is still like 
sensitive or get sore on my ankles. And it can be really nice to be able to spin the bike, spin on the bike, like even after a long run, like my, my legs feel so much better or just take a day completely off running and just like, you know, go on a nice bike ride. And it like, it can be refreshing both physically, but like mentally too. Yeah. I think, um, Hillary suffers from what we term rest day depression. Um, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll get like texts from Hillary that you know, she's just clearly in a very bad mood. Uh, <laughs> and I can look at her training log and be like, yep, she's, she's taking today off. Uh, but it, you know, for some, for some athletes, particularly elite athletes, a rest day doesn't necessarily mean a day off. Mm. Uh, it's, it's good to have like some athletes need and crave a day completely off, like with no training at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for other athletes, you know, the, the stress of doing nothing is, can be greater than, uh, than, than the stress of, you know, going out for a 45 minute bike ride, um, or, or for, for Hillary going out for a ski, um, because there's, there's more to exercise than just the physiological strain. There's the, uh, there's the social component, you know, if you're going for a, an easy bike ride with friends, that's mm-hmm. not, you know, particularly physiologically taxing, then that's probably okay for, for an easy day or a rest day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it starts getting, you know, two, three, four, five plus hours, yeah, that's a little long, mm-hmm. um, out for, uh, for a rest day. Um, but yeah, short, easy, uh, activities are, are, totally okay on, on rest days. And yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I mean, I, I definitely obviously have, have noticed that, like we've talked about this thing about, um, you know, what are other, what are other things you can, that, you know, I'm, I'm a very busy person. So I like to be doing things. So how, how I can do things and like, um, but still be, have like a restful day. And yeah. I think in my training, uh, it works better, especially in longer blocks of having a rest day every two weeks or every 10 days, like a complete day off. Um, I think it's also important there too, like, I mean, we talk a lot. Um, yeah. And like, if there's, you know, talk or text or whatever, because you're eight hours ahead. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, if, the, if there's, you know, a day where it, it seems really clear, like, hey, you really need to do nothing today, then then we can communicate that versus, you know, hey, I'm a little tired, but I, I want to go do this. And if you still have the motivation to want to go do something, then I don't think it's, it's always the coach's best interest to just say no and put your foot down. Um, that's uh, that's not the the coach athlete relationship. Uh, that I <laughs> yeah, although sometimes you you do have to put your foot down with me and tell right. me it's gonna be okay. <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to do something that I think will be contrary to your best interest, I'll yeah. put my foot down. Yeah, uh, but if it's like a, a six one way, half dozen the other, you know, if if it doesn't matter, it's not worth fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that from parenting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, you know, coach athlete relationships, it can kind of be like that. No, it's, it's a lot like that. <laughs> Whether you're coaching adults or, or teenagers or, or parenting. Oh, but another one of my favorite, uh, favorite things with you. I mean, we've just like, I, I think it, it's so cool because, um, I just communicate really well with you. I can be like super honest. I can like tell you exactly how I'm feeling, even if it's like very direct and like, I don't know, I can kind of be a jerk sometimes. Yeah, um, often quite blunt. <laughs> I know. I think it's sometimes I, I end up getting in trouble because I tell the truth and people like get offended or something. I'm like, no, I'm just like telling you. <laughs> like, I don't know about getting in trouble. Sometimes you might come across a little, little harsh. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. So coming off across a little harsh. Um, so one of my favorite memories of, of with you, um, is when I paced you in hard rock 
Um, this is this is what's so cool because I feel like I wanted to like return the favor to like you know coaching you. Oh yes, you're showing me the medal for the, for the hard rock finishing. Yes. <laughs> Um, was I too, was I too much of a hard ass in hard rock? No, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah. I got to pace you up over Handy's peak. For those of you who don't know hard rock, it's a 14 er that's at, for this direction we were going was about 60 miles into the race. It's been 60 miles in, give or take. Yeah. It was like in the morning. Yeah. Fueled entirely um, with cheese quesadillas. Yep. And it was a clear, like perfectly clear zero wind. You could see the moon. It was such a beautiful night, but like, it's, it's, it's so cool because I think like, obviously running and training is, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication, but out of it have come some of like the most important relationships in my entire life. And yeah, you're one of them. And I think that it's, it's really cool if you can, if you can like this coach athlete relationship, like opens that up to, to people. Hillary's a great pacer, um, but I think she she might have pushed me a little too much because then I blew up for my next pacer, and he had to put up with some whining. <laughs> Sorry, not. No, we were. I think we were just like bantering the whole way up. We were just like we were talking about. I don't even know, like probably science. What? Um, it was gorgeous. It was magical. I look forward to crewing you at UTMB this year. Yeah, and I get to follow you around at TDS this year because yeah, you're in that. Be- It'll be a fun, fun last week in August in Chamonix. Oh gosh, it's going to be so great. Um, but a question I wanted to ask you too. Um, what we talked about this beforehand. Um, so, what's the most important aspect in a coach-athlete relationship? Yeah, I think we kind of alluded to it already, but I think communication is is probably yeah. key. Um, like I'm, I'm not a mind reader, um, and. <laughs> I don't think you should expect your coach to be. It's not, uh, it's not fair. <laughs> not many people are, yeah. um, you know, I think we've been lucky that we've had a lot of in-person time, like when, when you're in Boulder and we'd go on our 5am runs uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, in-person is, it, it's easier to get a, get a read on how, how an athlete's doing and, and how they're yeah. feeling and how the training's going in person. But, you know, with, with phone and email and, and GPS data um, <laughs> reliably, um, text messages, you know, whatever form of communication, Facebook messenger, yeah, you know, a million different ways to communicate, whatever, uh, whatever's the oh, easy wait. snail mail. I can send you a letter. I think I don't, you might've sent me a card once. I did. Yeah. I think it was when I was injured just because I couldn't yeah. drive and like, I needed yeah. something. To- yeah. But I mean, communication, because like, if I don't know how your training is going, how can I, you know, plan out the best training possible um yeah is, is key and, and similarly you know from the athlete perspective like if if you have more time or you are tired or you know your workouts just aren't doing it for you that's important to communicate back um and it's better to communicate that early than you know to to get all bitter towards each other for two months and then you know have a have a battle <laughs> But which is is good. We definitely don't don't do that. (laughs) But, um, and this is what's also so cool is like, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach with CTS. I have many athletes that I coach. You coach with CTS and you are my coach. And you also have a coach who is a CTS coach. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've got a really, I mean, I I used to coach independently. Um, I had my own, my own company and I did that for about two years. And then I got kind of lonely. 
Um, yeah. It's hard to be, you know, a lone wolf coach. Um, and, you know, being a part of, of the CTS ultra team, you know, with, with Coop and, you know, at that time, Johnny Fitzgerald was there. And then, you know, we brought on a bunch of other coaches, Corinne, you, um, Duncan, you know, Darcy, should, I should, I should list everybody now. Yeah. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I'll feel bad if I forget anyone. Um, yeah, we've got like, I think there's nine of us now. Um, and it's just a great, a great resource of coaches where we can, you know, bounce ideas off each other. We can share information and best practices. We can, um, kind of synthesize the latest research, mm. um, so that we're all, you know, kind of, kind of up to date on nutrition fads and, and shoe science and, and whatever else. So, um, yeah. it's really cool to be a part of a team and a part of a group. Um, and yeah, like you said, like I coach Hillary. Hillary's a coach. I coach Corinne. Corinne coaches me. Corinne <laughs> coaches other people. It's, it's sort of this weird incestuous thing, but um, I think it shows, you know, how much I respect the coaches I work with that I would, uh, you know, ask one of them to, to coach me. I think I'm a particularly difficult athlete to coach and maybe Corinne could uh, refute or support that assertion. <laughs> um, but she puts up. I don't think you are. I sometimes think that I'm a difficult athlete to coach, but no, it's all about, it's all about the communication and things like that. But I also think it's like, um, it, it, it detests that like when you buy you, there's this buy-in that you believe in coaching and like what it can bring to an athlete. And yeah, I think it's like, it's also like a little mini team, like your support system that can help you like get through these, I don't know, get through these, like little, these tough races. Yeah. And I mean, like whether it's, yeah, whether it's, uh, you know, coaches or whether you have a social group, you know, like every, every Tuesday I meet up with, with some friends, you know, some of whom I also happen to coach. And then we go for a run our Tuesday shred. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's an important part of the week. Um, there's, you know, if you have your local group run that you love to going to a lot of my like start and running was just, you know, the, in Boulder, we have the Boulder trail runners and they have, know, four or five group runs a week. I just started going to some, you know, mm -hmm. learning the trails, meeting other people. And then you'd find, ah, oh, this guy's about my pace. And then you invite each other on, you know, a long weekend adventure. And, and, you know, that's how you become a part of a running community. You, you make friends, you, you learn. Um, and for me as a coach, part of it, a big part of it is, is kind of trying to educate, you know, people like this is how training works. Um, you could, you know, probably, figure it out yourself, but I'm going to try to make it easy for you. And then I'm going to try to make it, you know, better than you could do on your own. I love that. And what is your best advice for, I mean, someone who's like looking for a coach or even who, who wants to kind of start, like start this like coach athlete relationship or, you know, someone that's, that's speaking to you if you want to, if they want to work with you. I mean, I think, um, talking to a few coaches is, is a good thing. Mm. Um, I also think it's good. Like, don't, don't like try a coach. And, and if it's not working, it's, it's okay to leave. It's kind of like dating, right? Go on a couple of dates, you know, use your, your match.com or whatever. Um, <laughs> and try it out. If it doesn't work, don't be afraid to, to try something new. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's also key to, um, like give it a good shot. Like, you know, if you start working with a coach, you know, try to be really compliant in the first month and communicate and, and do the workouts and see if you get better. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if you're not, you know, talk about it. And, and if the coach doesn't seem to be able to, to change that, um, then, then maybe it's time to, 
to look elsewhere. Yeah. That's my I job. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, Adam, you know, you've experienced, um, yeah, especially since, you know, I, I was living in Boulder and, um, yeah, we've, we've talked many a time about everything from dating to workouts. You are very, you're very involved in my life. Yeah. I probably, you know, I probably know more about Hillary's Hillary than, than many people. Um, <laughs> you do. Like I said, we're, we're really tight. Oh man. Let's to not be shared on this, but yeah, we'll, all right. We'll for, uh, for the after hours podcast. <laughs> the after hours. Yeah. Well, Adam, thank you so much for speaking with me. It was, it's obviously, I mean, we talk all the time, but thank you for putting this knowledge out into the world. And I just admire you as a coach, as a friend, as a mentor. And yeah, you're the best. Well, I think, you know, we, we've had, we've got a pretty special relationship. Hilly. It's one I value a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful to have a number of athletes that I've coached for, for years now. Um, and have really, you know, seen blossom as, as runners and athletes. So you're, you're one of them. Um, and we'll keep, we'll keep aspiring towards big things. <laughs> we got some big um, goals this summer. Yeah. I know. I can't wait to have you there with me. Well, okay. Well, thanks for joining us and I'll speak to you soon, but yeah, if anyone has any, anything they want to look up about Adam, I'll post at the end of the show and uh, you guys look up Adam St. Pierre. He's a great human and a great coach. Okay. Thanks, Hilly. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the Train Right Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainright.com slash podcast. You can find social links and more information from our guests. And you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. You can leave us a rating on iTunes there too. Hope you guys tune in next week. <laughs>